At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's the Son of a Butch podcast comes to you every Wednesday. I want to thank everyone for listening. Listen, we've had some really cool guests on. We're going to continue to have more cool guests on. So if you haven't gone back and listened to past episodes, there is a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that'll help your game and a lot of stuff maybe you didn't know about some pretty cool people that we've had a chance to have on the pod. And this week is just like the other weeks, another good guest, Cho Minthat, the commissioner and CEO of the Asian Tour. Um, I think one of the fallouts between all the stuff going on in professional golf right now with the drama between the PJ Tour and Liv, um, the DP World Tour, the European Tour, um, they've had to change things. And the Asian Tour is definitely now, I think the Asian Tour is is going to be on the rise. I think you're going to see more players um, look at Asia as, as a legit option. They've got their international series, which are kind of their version of elevated events. But, um, you know, Cho talks a lot about Tom Kim is a product of the Asian tour. And I think we're going to see more players come out of that, um, out of that tour. So I was really excited to get a chance to talk to Cho. But before we get to that interview, let's take a short break to thank our partner for wellness. You guys have heard me talk about it. I'm a big fan of their coffee, big fan of the good stuff. I put it in my coffee on a regular basis. The thing I like about it, no sugars, no artificial sweeteners. It's gotten me off dairy. Um, I've quit putting you know, sweeteners, sugars in, just the good stuff. Put, I also put the good stuff, put a scoop of that in my coffee, but I also put it in smoothies and take it on the road with me. And the other thing that I've been using are their energy bites. Um, I keep them with me on the golf course. Um, a lot of times when I'm out on tour, I don't have a lot of time to sit and eat. So these energy bites, a little coffee hit, a little bit of energy, um, all the good stuff, all natural. And um, if you haven't given those a try, check those out. They've given me a special code to share with Son of a Butch listeners. You can get 20% off your order, plus free shipping and a free starter kit worth $30 for a limited time when you visit forwellness.com slash podcast. That's spelled F-O-R-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com slash podcast and enter the code CH3 at checkout. It's their best offer right now. So give it a try. They even back every purchase with a 60 day money back guaranteed. That's again, the code CH3 at forwellness.com slash podcast. All right. So let's get straight to the interview with the Asian tour CEO and commissioner Cho Min Thant. All right. Um, Cho, if someone had told you, I mean, I've said this to a bunch of players as well, the golf landscape, the tour landscape has really, really changed. I know the Asian tour has always been a huge part of the professional game. In 2022, um, how excited are you about the things that are happening on the Asian tour? And what is kind of the runway and, and the future that, that you think that you guys as a tour can provide to golfers around the world? Well, I mean, first and foremost, we're just delighted to be in this position. I mean, two years ago, uh, we couldn't play golf because in Asia, the borders were shut. Um, there was no telling when they were going to open again. So to be in this position, having restarted our tour in November of last year with 19 months of no golf is remarkable. I mean, we restarted the tour in November of last year. And um, up until now, we've played 19 events. Uh, we're going to finish the year on 21 events. And... 
um, it's a great position to be in without uh, knowing where we were going to be um, 18 months ago. So really, really happy and proud of where we are right now. You know, the global pandemic that everybody went through, I don't think people realized that a lot of it was dependent on where you were living. Obviously, we were living in the U.S. The PGA Tour was one of the first professional sports organization globally that started back up. But in Asia, I mean, a lot of uh, what was happening in, in Asia and, and people's daily lives were just really, really decimated by the pandemic. And I think, you know, I, I lived in Florida through the pandemic and you almost didn't think there was um, a global pandemic going on because we stayed open, we were working. But in Asia, I mean, for a tour like the Asian Tour, which services so many players around the world, um, it must have been very, very different. How did you all manage the fact that you had to effectively, for almost two years, close the door? I mean, it was tough. It was really tough for our members um, who didn't know when they were going to tee it up. And let's not forget, golf is their profession. They didn't have a job for two years. Um, and the word you use right there, decimated, is probably the best word to describe it. I mean, we traveled to 18 different countries on the Asian tour and without being able to access those countries through air travel, there was no way we were going to be able to, to run tournaments. So, I mean, even today, you have Hong Kong and China still uh, without borders fully open. We still can't operate in, in those two markets, and we're lucky to be doing so in Thailand, uh, in Taiwan, um, in the countries that we've, we've been able to play in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it was tough, but we're out of it now and flying. The Asian Tour was started in 1994. Sure. 1995 was the first full season. In the time between when the Asian Tour started versus today in 2022, um, what role do you think the Asian Tour has played on the global stage of professional golf? I mean, obviously, the PGA Tour is, has been the holy grail of professional golf. Every golfer around the world over the last 25 years that is not from the United States. I mean, everybody in the US wants to sure. play in America. So that was always the goal. But for outside of America, the goal was to try and find a pathway. And I've, I've heard you in an in interview say, your job as the Asian Tour is to provide a pathway to further the careers of golfers in Asia and, and around the world. But where and how did you all get to where you are today, to where you are now one of the, the six tours that are part of that international um, professional golf, you know, federations around the world, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, all the different tours. What, what, how did you guys get there? Well, I think uh, one of the main misconceptions about the Asian Tour is, is that it's just for Asian players. And that's not correct. I mean, we operate in the Asian region. That's our bread and butter. But anyone who wants to come to qualifying school, anyone who qualifies from any different, uh, any nationality can come and play the Asian Tour. And we've seen the Asian Tour as a, a pathway to the European Tour in the past, all the way up to the PGA Tour. And I mean, it, it's I mean, quite easy to look back on the names that have come through the Asian Tour. I mean, if you look at Cameron Smith, I mean, he came through the Asian Tour very recently, I'd say within the last 10 years, where um, he went to Corn Ferry Qualifying School, didn't make it through, came to Asian Tour Qualifying School, because that was the next available qualifying school uh, on the calendar played a stellar year in Asia, got into the CIMB Classic, which was co-sanctioned with the PGA Tour at the time, and then worked his way through by coming top five and top 10, and then he got his PGA Tour card, and he's number two in the world today. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of a guy coming through the Asian Tour, spending a bit of time there, um, honing their craft, and then getting a, a, a good break by playing well and moving their way up. Yeah, I think, you know, the list is long and distinguished mm -hmm. of the players that have come through um, the, the former European Tour, which is now the DP World Tour, Sergio, Adam Scott, you know, Trevor Immelman, Justin Rose, I mean, those type of players. But I think people forget sometimes that when they arrive, a guy like Cam Smith, who's the current players champion, the current open champion, and like you said, the number two ranked player in the world, you forget that coming from Australia, the pathway wasn't always if you were outside the US. Um, yes, a lot of players came through the European system, the Ryder Cup, we got to see them do that. But there have been loads of players um, that have come through um, Asia. And, and, and it is, a, and, and I think a lot of the players coming from Australia have been able to use the, the Asian Tour as a springboard to try and get to the next level. 
Exactly. I mean, Australia geographically is very close to Asia, but there's a lot of guys who come out of college in the States as well and want to take the, the path less traveled. Um, you have guys like David Lipsky, Kurt Kitayama, all come through our system, perform well on the Asian tour, and then work their way up. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see these guys performing on the world stage. And most recently, Tom Kim. I mean, I mean, what a story. I mean, three years ago, the guy came to Asian tour qualifying school. And as a 16, 17 year old. Exactly. And didn't even make it through. He didn't get through to um, the Asian tour. So he had to play on the Asian development tour. He won three times on the Asian development tour. And I mean, let's face it, these guys are playing for 60 to $70,000 a week on that tour, trying, to make, try, trying to make a living. So he's gone through uh, the ADT, come onto the Asian tour, won twice, gone through a pandemic where he couldn't play the Asian tour, but he played back home in Korea on the Korean tour, won that order of merit, came out to the Asian tour when we restarted, won our order of merit, and he is where he is today. You've mentioned the Asian developmental tour. That started in 2010. What was the impetus around why you wanted to do that? You've got the Asian tour, but was the idea um, based off of the PGA Tour model to PGA Tour um, Canada, PGA Tour Latin America, PGA Tour China, to have a way for players to say, okay, right now you can't play the Asian tour, but mm -hmm. we're going to talk to me about why you guys did that and how successful that has been and, and 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 has that helped you get players to the actual asian tour i mean absolutely i mean it was a it was a thing that we created to support the guys who didn't come top 35 at qualifying school i mean paying you two thousand dollars to come to qualifying school 700 guys playing for 35 spots i mean outside of that if you don't make the grade what do you do um so we decided to put on the asian development tour strictly not not for profit we're not making money off those events. Um, and the players, I'd say, aren't making that much money on that tour either. But at the end of the tunnel, if you come top 10 on the ADT, you have your Asian tour card. And I guess the Asian tour card is more valuable than ever now. And I mean, that's what we're seeing with qualifying school going into 2023. Um, just off the back of what we're doing uh, and where we are right now, the Asian tour qualifying school is completely fully subscribed. And we have a reserve list of about 120 players just hungry to get onto the Asian tour. So that's testament to you know, how far we've come. You mentioned um, the Asian tour plays in so many different countries. Um, I think it is very much um, the European tour has kind of evolved and changed um, there. I started working on the European tour with players in the early 2000, 2001, 2002, and there were so many more tournaments in Europe than there are today. There are a lot of tournaments all over the world that are European tour events, a lot of tournaments in the Middle East. Um, how have you all managed to keep the Asian tour in Asia? It's not like there's an Asian tour event in the United States. Sure. It's not like there's an Asian tour event in South Africa. You, I think it's one of the cool things about the Asian tour is it has kept a lot of kind of, I get, not so much the ethos, but the feel of you're going to play in Asia because a lot of times now guys are going to play in tours and you're like, we're playing on this tour, but we're in this location and it doesn't feel the same. I mean, for us, I mean, the bread and butter is Southeast Asia I and mean, we don't even have that many tournaments in North Asia, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore. I mean, that's, that's where we play. Uh, and it's, it's exotic. The food's great. The destinations are great um, for our players to see. Um, and it's just a great place to be. The atmosphere on the Asian tour, it's, it's not like the PGA tour. It's not like the PGA, uh, the European tour. We stay in the same hotel. We travel together. It's, a, it's one big family and the hospitality week in, week out is fantastic. So let's take a short break and we will be back right after this. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. 
The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. All right, let's get back to the interview. We just, um, the Live um, Tour was just in Bangkok. Um, as the guy that's running the Asian Tour, um, you mentioned to me that the crowds there were off the charts um, that for, for an Asian mm-hmm. tournament in Asia. I mean, and the, the PGA Tour has played in Malaysia. They've played in, in various, but to see those crowds last week, it just shows you how much Asian golf and and it does have a fan base now. Sure. I mean, I, I think that was, uh, quote unquote, Asia's major last uh, last week. I mean, the caliber of players that we had there, um, Brooks Kepka, you had Dustin Johnson, you had Phil Mickelson, Cam Smith, the list goes on. I don't think we've ever had a tournament with that many high caliber players uh, play in Asia before. Um, we've had Tiger come, we've had Ahoni come, we've had... Uh, a few players come for the Thailand Golf Championship, but to get this amount of high-quality players has never been seen before. And uh, the proof was in the crowds that turned up last week. Um, I mean, you can't expect crowds let, that you see week in, week out in America, but for Asia, what was present at Stonehill last week was incredible. Um, and people flew in from Singapore, they flew in from Taipei, they flew in from the Philippines, and it was just a great week for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at the event in, in Bangkok and, you know, when you watch, I think a lot of people when they watch golf on TV and they see golf tournaments where they don't see a lot of people, they don't realize, one, how popular golf is in America, how popular the PGA Tour is. But I was saying, you know, DJ, Brooks, uh, the players that I work with, we were all saying that the crowds were very similar to what you see in Abu Dhabi, what you see in Dubai, which are some of the big flagship events on the European tour. Um, you mentioned the the vibe on the Asian tour. One of the things I think is, is great about the Asian tour is you're pretty much guaranteed, although you're guaranteed that it's going to rain every day, you're guaranteed that you're going to be playing golf on at an Asian tour event in the sunshine, in good weather. I think that's also a huge, huge part of the draw for players wanting to go out and, and, and try and play in Asia. Sure. And the connectivity as well. I mean, playing in Bangkok, playing in Kuala Lumpur, playing in Singapore, there's direct flights from every capital city. Um, and it's, it's just easy to get to. It's a great week that's not too stressful. Um, and it's just an enjoyable atmosphere. So, I mean, we get that type of comment from a lot of guys who come and visit. We're, I mean, in 2022, professional golf is a business. Um, the business community and, and the, the partners that you all have, um, where do you all find them and, and what is the typical partner that you all have at, at the Asian Tour that wants to be a part of sponsoring a tournament and sponsoring the tour? Well, I think this is where we, we are greatly different to the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour. A lot of our tournaments, which are you know, long established tournaments, are put on by people who just love golf. It's not a corporate exercise. It's not for branding. It's not for hospitality. Uh, they are just individuals who love having golf, uh, played in their country at their golf course, and they just put it in year in, year out. Um, some of our tournaments have been going for 20, 30 years, even pre-Asian tour. They used to put on tournaments for their domestic circuits, and it's just a love for the game. Um, I mean, what we've seen this year is another dimension where the international series has come on board. Um, the destinations that we're going to, the support that we're getting from Live Golf um, adds another layer to the Asian tour. Uh, that, that's part of our fabric now. You mentioned um, the Asian tour's 
relationship with Live Golf. Obviously, the PJ Tour just signed a, I believe, a 13-year deal with DP World, the, the former European Tour, their strategic alliance. Was that something that you looked at and said, okay, well, in order for us to continue to try and stay, um, keep pace with what's going on around the world globally, um, the decision to choose Live as a partner, you mentioned the International Series, um, obviously there is so much toxicity in professional golf right now. That decision to, to do that, um, I'm guessing that wasn't a, an easy decision, not sure. a decision that you took lightly. I mean, look, we weighed up the pros and cons, but at the end of the day, it was so heavily weighted towards going with Liv that it, it was not a difficult decision in the end. Um, I think had we stayed aligned with the PGA Tour and European Tour, we would have always stayed a feeder tour to the European Tour, uh, where in this case, we're expanding, we're growing as fast as we want to grow, and we're true partners with Liv. So, I mean, if, if uh, our players want to go out there and play other tours, they're welcome to do so. If they want to play on the Asian tour and try and get into the live tour and work their way up, then that's also fine. I mean, we're not restrictive on our members um, on where they can play and where they can't play. When, when live started, there were a lot of players from Asia that a lot of golf fans in America hadn't heard of. Mm -hmm. But for you as someone, you know, involved with the, the running of the Asian tour, it must have been heartening for you to say, okay, these are, this is an opportunity for players that we see all the time play in Asia, get an opportunity to play on a bigger stage. Sure. It's been a big, it's been a huge bonus for us to see our guys progress into the live invitationals this year. We get five to six guys in every single field uh, of the eight tournaments that are being held this year. So it's exciting. It's great for them. And it's been a, a huge learning experience for them as well. I mean, you look at Saddam from Thailand, um, who's played, I'd say, every one of these live events. I think the experience on live enabled him to play well in the Open Championship, finished a credible 11th place at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. I mean, that, I mean that's proof, proof in the pudding right there. The live question, the PJ Tour question, you know, Joe, in your opinion, how powerful is the PGA Tour and how powerful have they been up to this point? I mean, growing up as a golf fan, the PGA Tour is what you wanted to watch. That's where you wanted to be. Anyone with aspirations of becoming a professional golfer, that was the tip of the iceberg. Everyone, everybody wanted to play the PGA Tour. But I mean, I think there's a shift now where there's an alternative and people are starting to realize that maybe the PGA Tour isn't the center of the universe. There's other ways where you can play top professional golf and there's other places you can play. Um, and I mean, I'm glad that the Asian tour is a viable option for players now. I mean, I find it really interesting that, that right now things are so polarized. It's like you can't be for the PGA tour without being against live. Sure. You can't be for live without being against the PGA tour. And you mentioned that, you know, growing up, that was the aspiration. Do you think that there is a way that we get to a point to where the public and the fans hopefully can get to a point to where they're a fan of professional golf. Because I think a lot of people, when, when Live happened, um, a lot of people thought, well, the PGA Tour is professional golf. And there are tours all around the world. I mean, I, I, I started working with my, my coaching career, um, started on the European Tour. And the holy, the holy grail of being in Europe was, you knew that if you wanted to have a career have a long career and have a financially secure future, you had to get to the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. Top 50 was the holy grail, right? If you were in Europe, you got in the top 50, that got you into the Players' Championship, it got you then into the WGCs, it helped you get into the majors. Um, do you see a future to where all of this somewhat calms down or do you think the future is both sides just digging in. Well, I think from a, a fan perspective, we're almost there. I mean, I've been at a lot of these live events this year and talked to fans in the gallery, and they're there to see good, high quality golf. They don't care about the politics behind the scenes, whether it be a PGA Tour event, a live event, Asian Tour event, or DP World event. They just want to watch they golf. They just want to watch these top players play golf, 
in their city. And a lot of the venues that we're visiting us have been starved of top-class professional golf for decades. So you take Portland, for example. They're out there to support Phil. They're out there to support DJ, all the top guys, not there to support a particular tour. Um, we got that in Bangkok as well. I mean, they came out to see these star players, not to particularly take a side politically. How has the relationship the Asian tour and you specifically have with the guys in Ponte Vedra, with Jay Monaghan and the PGA? Because listen, you know, anybody that thinks that the PGA Tour um, isn't an amazing product. And that's, that's what I find really, really interesting that, you know, I'm currently working with players that play on live, but I still watch the PGA Tour. It's where so many of the world's best players play. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, the, the depth of that is, is, is so deep, but there are so many players right now playing on the live tour. There are so many players playing on the DP World Tour in Asia. Um, how is the current relationship that the Asian Tour has with the PGA Tour? Um, look, I like to think it was, it's still a professional relationship that we have. Um, I mean, even though there's only one WGC left on the calendar, we're still part of the World Golf Championships and hopefully HSBC in Shanghai comes back. Um, we're still counterparts on the World Golf Ranking Committee and we still have to deal with day-to-day tour-related issues. So from that perspective, I think we still have a, a, a professional relationship. But day-to-day, tour-to-tour, there's no progression from the Asian tour to the PGA tour. Arguably, there never was. Uh, we don't co-sanction with them anymore. But arguably, you know, after the CIMB Classic stopped, we haven't done so anyways. Uh, I guess the biggest change for us is we used to co-sanction and be alliance partners with the European Tour, now the DP World Tour. Um, we don't have any co-sanctions with them anymore. And it was a successful model for 25 years. I mean, there were, t- I mean, there were a lot, I don't think the, the average golfer realizes how many of the tournaments outside the United States were co-sanctioned. Mm-hmm. They just see somebody playing here. They see, you know, Justin Rose would always at the end of the year go over and play on the Asian tour, sure. right? And as soon as, and that's the other thing I wanted you to talk about because I think a lot of people listening don't have a real understanding. There, this this big talk right now about live getting trying to get world ranking points. The PGA Tour um, obviously is where you're going to have the most world ranking points. But talk to me about the fact that regardless of before live, if three or four of the top players from the PGA Tour, you know, let's take live out of the equation and let's just say everybody was still playing on the PGA Tour. If Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and Cam Smith currently, mm-hmm. given where their world rankings were before they went to live and before they had the opportunity to, to get world ranking points, that tournament immediately gets elevated from a world ranking standpoint. Yeah, look, the way the world rankings used to be, if you had strong players from inside the top 10, the top 25 or top 50 in the world, if three or four of them got together and came to an Asian tour event or wherever they wanted to play, that would immediately bring the strength of the field up. Um, There's been a slight change to the world golf rankings recently, uh, as of August of this year, where uh, the formula for calculation of strength of field is is very different. And you see the, the PGA Tour have massive strengths of fields every single week, week in, week out. And there's no denying that the best players are playing there at the moment, but it's certainly distancing all the smaller tours from the PGA Tour, as well as the European Tour. I mean, they're not immune from this uh, distancing because you're you're seeing uh, a tournament in America where the winner gets 45 to 50 points for winning. In Europe, it could be as low as 10 or 11. And in Asia, one of our fully sanctioned events in Taiwan a couple of weeks ago, uh, we only received 2.2 points for the winner. And I mean, that's disappointing to see. I mean, for a guy like Tom Kim to come through Asian development tour, Asian tour, Korean tour, work his way into the top 100 in the world, get into majors, get into the top 50 it's in the top world. top 20 in the world now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably not gonna happen again based on how the world ranking is right now. One of the other things that obviously with Liv coming on board, this, this, this constant talk about money, 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 greed from the players, how much is enough. Um, you and I both know that a lot of the P- 
people listening to this podcast and the golf fans don't know how the, 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 the sausage and the hot dogs are made. Um, if you are one of the best players in the world on the PGA Tour, if you are going to leave the United States and go play somewhere else, you are going to get paid accordingly to go. And I am, I am all for every single professional golfer being able to make as much money as they possibly can. Because you and I both know from a professional golf standpoint, golfer standpoint, Joe, and from an athlete standpoint, the runway is not as long as everyone thinks it is. You have a very, very small window. So when we see now the live, the live tour paying players, everybody's saying, oh, the players agree. But you and I both know that if any player from Tiger Woods to Greg Norman to Phil Mickelson to Nick Faldo to Rory McIlroy, we can just go down the list. If you are a great player, one of the things that that allows you to do as a great player is be able to shop yourself sure. around the world and be able to make money off the golf course by going to a tour in Asia, a tour wherever. I mean, that was very much what we built the back end of the Asian tour season on. It was the Singapore Open, the Hong Kong Open, Malaysian Open. Adam Scott has, uh, has, has, Adam been, Scott has won multiple times in Singapore. He's won there. Ernie right. Els has won there. Patrick Reed's come to um, Hong Kong. Justin Rose has come to Hong Kong and Indonesia. It was very common to see those guys come out and play two, three times at the end of the season. And that was just the norm for us. I mean, that, that was very common. And it's like you're saying, it's professional sports, not just golf. I mean, you look at the transfer market in football. You look at football in general. Yeah. You have top players playing in Spain. You have them in the Premier League. You've got them in the Bundesliga and France. Neymar plays in France. Ronaldo plays in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, you know, they go where the money's at. And if you lo also look at basketball in America, I mean, 25 years ago, you would never envision as many international players mm -hmm. coming from leagues in Europe. But again, the holy grail, if you are a basketball player in Europe, you are going to beg, borrow, and steal to do anything you could possibly do to try and get to the NBA. Sure. And I think it's, it's interesting to me that I find that it's almost like this utopian Truman Show type. We want golf to kind of be like it was in the 60s and sure. 70s. I mean, in 2022, if Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Gary Player, the big three, were playing golf at the height of their powers in 2022, they would be making millions of dollars to go play somewhere else. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that golf seems to be this only entity that people think that the players shouldn't be financially rewarded for their stature and their position in the game. Well, absolutely. And look, I'm going to take it right down to Asian Tour and ADT level. You look at the money that our guys are playing for, right? If you keep your card on the Asian Tour and you come 60th on the order of merit, you're only making $100,000. And 50 of that goes to expenses. Exactly. So You're struggling to break even. When you get, make it to the big leagues, what's wrong with making money? You've, it's a grind on the Asian tour. It's a grind on the ADT, as we've mentioned multiple times. But once you get up there, I mean, like you say, your career's 15 years. Well, that was the thing. You know, when I was working on the European tour, um, it was very similar to the Asian tour. We all stayed in the same hotels. Mm -hmm. We all traveled together. It was like a traveling circus. It felt like a family. And then you get to the PGA tour where you get a courtesy car every week. You get free dry cleaning every week. Um, the golf balls, which golf ball do you play? Which golf ball do you want? I mean, right. the golf courses are better. The, the conditions are better. Um, that was the aspiration to make it to the PGA tour. And do you think that there will be... So where do you see all of this playing out? I mean, where do you see the Asian Tour's role in professional golf in the next two years, in the next five years, and, and the next 10 years? What is the goal of the Asian Tour moving forward? Well, I feel like the Asian Tour was lagging behind. Like Over the past two decades, we've kind of hovered around the same prize money. We visit the same places. We have the same sponsors. But the injection that we've received from Live is just rejuvenation of the Asian Tour. I mean... Outside of Live, we have a relationship with Golf Saudi. They uh, provide us with the Saudi International, which we sanction in February. That's the start of our year. Uh, $5 million event. Star players from 
all over the world coming to play with 40 odd Asian tour players. That's a crack of a, uh, of a tournament to start our tour. And then, I mean, we go into 12, 15 events, which are over $1.5 million on the Asian tour. Um, then you have a few which are 750, a few that are 500, but I mean, it's a collection of 24 to 25 events where you're making good money now. And kids are watching, wanting to get involved in golf, wanting to choose golf as a, as a career, which is important in, uh, in Asia where mom and dad always want you to be an accountant or a doctor or go to Stanford. Uh, or go to Duke or go it, to Harvard. Exactly. So, I mean, we're not trying to deter kids from going to school, but they see sports or golf in particular as a proper career where it wasn't before. It was a hobby before. You mentioned Asia and, and it's a place where players can kind of further their lives and their careers. Obviously, the women's game on the LPGA Tour, um, I was at the Women's US Open, and there are so many players from Asia, sure. from Korea, from Thailand, from China. Um, the, I think it has enriched the, the LPGA. Um, there's, there's talk about um, a couple of weeks ago when the President's Cup was on, there were guys saying, listen, the President's Cup is dying because the Americans keep winning. There are so many great players internationally sure. around the world from the from the ladies game that could play maybe we get them involved do you see the the asian tour moving forward with the international series with um the alliance and the partnership with live having an opportunity to build asian tour players not only wherever they play i mean i i'm, I'm noticing now i mean if you look at the the current um international president's cup um team that i just had trevor immelman on my podcast good friend oh. um the, 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 the Koreans played a huge, huge part of that. Are you excited that you, when you look at a PGA Tour um, event, when you go to tournaments, that you're seeing more players from Asia playing on the PGA Tour? Sure. I mean, we were really excited to see four Koreans on the President's Cup team. I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, even though not every one of those Korean players had played on the Asian Tour before, they all started out in Korea. Um, they started on the Korean tour and then move their way up to the PGA tour. So, I mean, it's great to see those guys get the recognition they deserve. And what's exciting is we're seeing a whole bunch of them come through the Asian tour. And like I say, qualifying school is fully subscribed. I think we've got 125 Korean kids coming to qualifying school. So they're wanting to come out of Korea and apply their trade in Asia. Um, another exciting thing for us is a 15 year old amateur winning on the Asian tour this year. Um, playing six, seven times already on the Asian tour and missing only one cut and finishing in the top 10 three times. I mean, that's incredible for a 15-year-old. What, I mean, what, what, what were we doing at 15? I mean, what a great story. And, and, and I saw him yesterday on the putting green. He was one of the alternates here. Um, he was here all day as an alternate. Mm -hmm. And Pat Perez um, walked past him and said, Yo, you, you've been here all day? And he said, no, I had to go back to the uh, hotel and take a chemistry test. I mean, that story alone, you know, a, a young kid from Asia who is doing those type of things. I mean, do you feel like a kid like Tom Kim now who basically is a product of the Asian tour, right? I mean, there are a lot of people now that, that given this whole kind of, you know, current battle between the PJ tour and live, but mm -hmm. Tom Kim is a product of the Asian tour. Do you see him as someone like a, from an Asian standpoint, someone like a Rory McIlroy to where this younger generation can grow up? I and mean, if you look at how many kids, you look at Justin Thomas and the, you know, the amazing um, friendship and relationship he now has with Tiger Woods. Justin Thomas grew up idolizing Tiger Woods. Okay. He was the GOAT, right? Yes, Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, the ones that came before him. But this younger generation of golfers under the age of 35, Tiger was their Michael Jordan, right? He was the benchmark. Do you, do you feel like a young player, and, and again, we're throwing all this at Tom Kim, the kid's only still 19, sure. but there are kids that are, 10, 11, 12 that are into golf that are now going to look at a kid like Tom Kim and say, listen, I can go play in Asia. And Tom Kidd got to the PGA Tour by the time he was 19. I mean, that is, a, that is a huge calling card for the Asian Tour. Well, I think Tom Kim is a very unique individual because he has so many touch points with so many different countries. Um, his dad was a teaching professional in Australia. 
Um, so he lived in Australia. Then he traveled to the Philippines and played club golf in the Philippines. Then he based himself in Thailand, played on the Asian tour whilst being based in Thailand, went back to Korea. He'd never lived in Korea till the pandemic, went back home to where his parents are from and lived in Korea. Now he's in America. I mean, there's so many different countries that uh, claim a little bit of connection to Tom Kim that it's incredible. And all of those countries are in Asia, yeah, effectively. But, well, and they contributed to his career. The club that he played at in the Philippines puts out a newsletter every week mentioning Tom numerous times. Uh, Australia, Thailand. I mean, up until a few months ago, he was wearing the Singha logo, which is the number one supporter of golf in Thailand. So he was receiving support from a Thai company whilst being a foreigner in Thailand, um, helping him with his expenses. So he's touched a lot of people in such a short amount of time. Uh, I mean, he's a great ambassador for us. Lastly, um, through the Asian tour, I mentioned the fact that predominantly the tournaments have been held in Asia. But I look at what's happened. You know, I look at Cam Smith. I look at Adam Scott. I look at all of the great players that have come from Australia. And, and to me, it, it's like Australia just gets overlooked from a tour standpoint. Would there ever be a time to where the, the Asian tour would look at maybe hosting an event, an international series in Australia. I think the, the, the fan base down there for golf is starving to see some of the best players in the world play down there. Would you all, as, as, as the Asian tour, ever think about hosting an Asian tour event in Australia? Um, I guess it's very close to home because it was my home for 20 years. I grew up in Australia um, from the age of four. Um, I played a lot of golf in Australia and watched a lot of golf in Australia growing up. And uh, what's lacking is that huge, uh, you know, summer of golf that they used to have. They used to have three, four, five events consecutively that brought top players to Australia. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen right now, but they're slowly building it back up. And I think the Asian tour can collaborate with the Australian PGA and work together on doing something down there. Geographically, it's, it makes sense. We have 25 Australian members on the Asian tour as well. So it, it's just very logical to do. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job. And, and, and I know you guys are doing a good job when I have junior golfers, high school golfers and college golfers saying now, listen, I've just graduated from college. Um, I'm going to look at going to Asia as my pathway, as opposed to saying, OK, I'm going to go try and qualify for the Corn Ferry. I'm going to try and qualify for the PJ Tour Latin America, PJ Tour Canada. So sure. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. I think um, the fact that Tom Kim is is such a huge, huge part of your story moving forward. Um, and I think you guys are going to continue to do well. So congrats on everything you're doing. And uh, thanks for talking to me. Oh, thanks, Claude. Thanks. And what's really exciting for us is going to new destinations as well. And as you know, next month, we're going to Morocco, a place which is very dear to your heart. Asian tour in Morocco. Um, and Egypt. So, you know, expanding our, our horizons. So looking forward to it. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. So another really good interview there, Choman Thap. Um, listen, I think all the tours right now are trying to figure out how they position themselves in the crazy professional golf world of 2022. And like I said at the top of the show, I think the Asian tour, um, you're going to start to see more players look at that as a viable way to kind of further their careers. And, um, you know, it's it's got some really, really good things happening on the Asian tour and want to thank Cho for talking to us. So, um, yeah, I mean, Brooks Kepka back in the winner's circle. Ricky Fowler had a chance to win, uh, last week at Zozo. And I want to take, wanted to talk about those two things. I mean, uh, I started working with Brooks again, uh, about a month, a little over a month and a half ago. And my dad started working with Ricky Fowler about a month ago. And listen, I think it's really easy in the professional game. Um, I'm on the coaching side. I'm not on the player side. So uh, it's just going to be my opinion. Um, but I do think one of the negative things of what Tiger Woods has done over his career is that um, he has changed his golf swing so many times and had huge success doing it. Um, my dad was part of a massive swing overhaul of Tiger Woods from his amateur days to his professional days. And they had a lot of success. And then he made the choice, Tiger, to completely throw everything that helped him win eight majors and become the best player in the world and work with Hank Haney, completely revamped his golf swing, had an unbelievable win record, 
Um, won more majors, was dominant, um, then worked with Sean Foley, then worked with Chris Como. And I think a lot of players think that they have to make all of these massive changes in their golf swings. And um, using you know Ricky and, and Brooks as examples, I worked for Brooks Kepper for eight years, um, haven't worked with him in two years. And um, we started working together at the Live event at Bedminster. And um, he's back in the winner's circle again. And listen, a lot of this stuff, I've had a lot of questions on social, people asking me what we were working on. We basically just kind of went back to, to the things that helped him be the greatest player in the world, to be dominant in the majors, win four majors in a very, very short period of time, get to number one in the world and just you know play golf that we just haven't seen in the major championships. Ricky Fowler, my dad and I worked with Ricky. Uh, we were both let go. Um, at the end of 19 and, um, you know, Ricky's now back working with my dad and, you know, they're working on a lot of the same things that they were working on in the past. I think players, players have DNAs, right? Players have, um, signatures in their golf swing. And when you do work with a player at a very high level for an extended period of time, and they have a tremendous amount of success, and then they decide to go in a different direction and do something else. If it works, great. But if it doesn't work, um, I think one of the things that that I've been able to do with Brooks and in, in, in working with Brooks again is to just simplify things, to just go back to the basics of, hey, listen, we, we had a pretty good blueprint in the eight years that we worked together. Um, we had a lot of success. Um, you got to number one in the world. And I said to Brooks, listen, we're going to go back to doing some of the same things that you used to do. And it was interesting that a lot of the things I think that Brooks was trying to do um, over the last couple of years, um, he was trying to work on some of the things that we worked on in the past. But one of our main jobs as golf instructors, but certainly as coaches um, at the tour level is we're a second set of eyes. And I think Brooks was trying to work on some of the things that we had worked on in the past, but his setup, the things that he was doing before he even hit a golf ball, just weren't allowing him to do some of the things that he was able to do before. So really in the last month and a half, we've done a lot of basic work on posture, alignment, ball position, all of the things that Brooks does before he hits a golf ball. And as a result of those things, starting to feel a little bit more normal like they used to um he's been able to swing the golf club the way that um he wants to and and the way that we want to um so i think you should if you are trying to make massive changes in your golf swing you have to kind of think about you know what you're trying to do why you're trying to do it and what direction you're going to go and you know sometimes those changes don't work i mean my dad's been working with ricky fowler um, he's played three tournaments this year, and I think he's come close to accumulating in three tournaments the same amount of FedEx Cup points that he achieved in the entire season last year in three events. And again, going back to some of the things that made him a great player, going back to the things, the formula that that you know my dad knows works with Ricky. Um, I've gone back to working on the same things with Brooks um, that I know made him the number one player in the world. Um, and so it's been interesting. Um, I think it was a really important win for, for Brooks. I think it was a really important win for Ricky Fowler, even though he didn't get back into the winner's circle because professional golfers are just like everybody that's listening. They play a lot on confidence. And, and all of you know that are listening that if you're hitting a lot of fairways, if you're hitting a lot of greens, the game seems easier regardless of what your handicap level is. But if you're a bad driver of the golf ball and you're a 15 handicapper and driving is one of the weak parts of your game, if you have a round of golf where you hit 10, 11 fairways, your confidence is going to go through the roof. And I guarantee you, your iron game gets better as a result. Um, if you're you know, a streaky putter and you're not putting great and all of a sudden you get on a run to where you're making a lot of putts, trickles down to every other part of your game. So tour players in general play so much on confidence. And I think that you're seeing that in two players um, that have that have struggled over the last, you know, two to three years in Brooks and, and Ricky. And I think in going back to some of the things that are familiar and some of the things that um, 
the people working with them, my dad and, and myself, we know the things that we're working on, um, myself with Brooks. And I know my dad looks at the stuff that he's working on with Ricky. I worked with Ricky for a number of years. I look at the stuff they're working on. And in my opinion, it's what is going to help Ricky get back into the winner's circle. It's what's going to help Ricky get back inside the top 50. It's what's going to get Ricky to have opportunities to win golf tournaments. All you want as a tour player, um, regardless of where you're playing, is to have an opportunity on Sunday. And I think it's huge for Ricky Fowler's confidence to take a lead into the final round and maybe not have his best stuff, but to to have an opportunity to finish where he finished, given where he's been, has been a huge, huge plus for Ricky. And I would expect Ricky continues to play well this week. Um, Brooks, listen, whether you're a fan of Liv, whether you're not a fan, whether you think it's an exhibition, whether whatever, whatever side you fall on, at the end of the day, Brooks Kepka is playing golf. He is playing the same golf course as everybody else, and he shot the lowest score and won the tournament. And that is going to be huge for his confidence moving forward. That is going to be huge for his game moving forward. And confidence is a huge, huge part of tournament golf. So um, really, really happy to see Ricky Fowler um, have a chance to win again. Um, I love Ricky, and um, I root for him. And as someone that's working with Brooks, um, I've never seen the guy work harder. And I know all, a lot of people listening are going to go, oh, this is the guy that says he doesn't practice and everything. He said that comment three years ago. And somewhat that con- that comment was taken out of context. Um, I'm just telling you as someone that works with him, um, I've never seen him work harder than he's worked in the last month and a half. And I've never seen him want to win more than I've seen him want to win in the last month and a half. And I'm glad that he did it. And um, I'm excited to see what the future holds, not only for Brooks, but also for Ricky Fowler. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, Excited. Got some good guests in the pipeline. Tough to get everybody's schedule. It's not easy to kind of schedule everybody. Everybody's got kind of real world stuff going, but we are going to have some really good guests for you in the coming weeks and the coming months. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see everyone next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.